Welcome to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. Enjoy today's message. May you experience the presence of our Father and may you grow deeper in your relationship with Him. Father, we just want to welcome you into this place as we break open your word. We step away from religion. We step away from going through the motions. Uh, we don't read the word tonight because that's what grandpa did in church. We read it because it is life. And so we take off our religious lenses in our eyes and we realize for a moment that this potentially has the power to change the life that grabs onto this, that grabs onto Jesus and eats his word. Amen. Um, last week we had Encounter 4 and uh, we had a great weekend. A lot of people were set free and uh, I wanted to preach this last week and the Holy Spirit just moved something else in so I moved this over. We, we, we touched on this um, when we were doing the words and works of Jesus. Um, and so we're going to take a different angle on it but let's read together one of the most astonishing stories there is in the Bible. Mark 5, let's read together and then we'll tear it apart. They came to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of a boat, immediately they met him out of the tombs, a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs. And no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been bound with shackles and chains, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. This is not a beautiful picture, all right? Do they have this in the kiddies' Bible? No. Uh, they also don't have a part where David cut off Goliath's head because that would be harsh. Each thing according to each age. Hey, hum. Okay. <laughs> any case, let's not get distracted. It's only two minutes in. Um, and when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. And crying out with a loud voice, he said, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, come out of the man. And what we have here is a triangle of conversation. We know when Jesus speaks, it's Jesus, but we don't know who's speaking back when the man answers. Is it this man speaking 
at that moment with a healthy faculty or is it a demonic spirit speaking through him? Okay? That's, that is the, real, the reality of the story. And Jesus asked him, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. If you say this to your doctor, okay, you're not going back home. I promise you that. But for him, he didn't have a home in any ways, lived among the tombs. Imagine you get this answer. I mean, it is, we, we, we shouldn't read over Scripture too fast to get it done, okay? If you decided to read a chapter, but you only do three verses or something, then stop there and dwell on it, amen? And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. So now we know this is the demonic power speaking. He's saying, my name is Legion. There's many in this man. The man's body at that moment is being occupied, okay? And I don't want to go too deep into it, but there's a place of demonic oppression where we experience a half a day or an hour or a week where we're really, really under attack, and we are tempted by those things we laid down years ago and it's just pushed back into our face and we just lose our joy, we lose our courage, we're not sure where to go, we don't even know if we're called anymore and it's called oppression, okay? But there is a place with continuing, continuance healing, yielding towards the enemy, a continuation of turning away from God where there is a place where for moments you can lose control over your faculties as a person, okay? In the same way, we can grow our spirit man so strong that the fleshly part of us gets smaller and we get the Holy Spirit working beautifully and lovingly through us and with us, okay? At this moment, we are talking about a possessed man, at, at least in this conversation confronted with Jesus, now, a herd of pigs was feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, send us into the pigs. They make a request to Jesus. We'll chat about that in a moment. Let us enter them. And so he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now the herdsmen, the people looking after the pigs, they are responsible for the meat, for the money, it's the business. The herdsmen fled and told it in the city and in the country and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there clothed and in his right mind. So he is now changed after an encounter with Jesus. This was not his encounter four, it was his encounter one. Amen? <laughs> and those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. 
And he was getting into the boat, and the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. That's quite a change. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. He proclaimed and everyone marveled. The work of Jesus in my deliverance. That's what we're talking about tonight. If we want to measure whether as a church we have moved from focusing on Jesus to a place where church is a beautiful, comfortable place where business people connect and from there they can have great relationships or where young people can come to find a boyfriend or a girlfriend or whether this is a place where it's nice to come, there's some snacks. If we want to see whether we've slipped off focus away from a kingdom focus, talk about demons. Talk about the reality of the fact that there's demonic powers oppressing us and the fact that each one of us here, none of us are immune. Talk about the fact that it's possible that tomorrow morning you need to repent of sins or there might be influence in you. And when churches start to discard that, you know, we have moved. We've become the club. It's nice. Seats, coffee, nice building. It's just nice. Don't mess up the nice place with spiritual talk. And so let's measure ourselves tonight. Where are we? For me, I'm walking a line of grace every day, every breath. And let me say it bluntly. If I don't watch out, and the same is true for you, but let me throw myself under the bus. If I don't focus on Christ, if I don't delight in Him, if I'm not vigilant, Who says that your pastor this week might not end up in pornography? It's a spiritual war out there. I'm not immune. You're not immune. We have to know that Jesus is alive and a living relationship is what is keeping us alive. And so when we read this, say to yourself, I can relate with that man. We think we're one of the disciples in this story. We're one of the people looking at this demon-possessed man, but that's us. That's the kind of help we need if we are honest about it. Amen? And that's the heart we should take into this sermon. We need to ask ourselves, okay, so what can we learn here? Because I am that man. But for grace, you're not there. But if it's not for God's grace, you you can be there. Amen. I've heard it many times. Many times. A man or woman comes to me and says, I don't know this person I'm living with. (laughs) I don't know them. There's something that happened there. It, it It was night and it was morning and he was different. 
And at certain times, it could be an excuse, but I, I can also agree at sometimes. We must remember we are in a spiritual war. And so let's learn and apply deeply to ourselves. Amen? Are you with me? The pigs, okay, the pigs. In Scripture, at certain times, we have to focus of what we, with what we can say, what we do know, and work from there. So let me just say, I'm not going to 100% maybe satisfy the big question tonight. Why did Jesus permit them to go to the pigs? Why didn't he say no? Because you don't agree with demons. You don't, if they ask A, you do B. I'm not going to answer that. But let me, let me say what I can say. Jesus is clearly showing us that one human life is worth more. One spiritual life, one salvation, listen up, is more important than the whole of a budget Sassel can make in one year. One man. One man. He is showing us that human lives are more important than that of animals. Um, don't speak up for animal cruelty. Just hear what I am saying. So, when let me just let me just paint a picture. I don't want to throw anyone under the bus, but maybe someone's ankle might get there. Um, if I'm painting a picture, the ten most influential businessmen in this town decides we're going to lay our lives down for little cats that gets abused, then we are missing it. Are you hearing me tonight? I'm not saying we should hurt animals. All I'm saying is Christ is clearly showing us human lives are more important than the lives of animal or business success. Can you see that? What we also can get from this story is this man is living alone in the mountains. For many years, we don't know how long. He's not sure who's speaking. Is it him or is it? foreign spirits. A man comes along, touches him, and, and the writers of the Bible cannot give us the conversation of the whole day because then that day would be as, the scripture says, the books of the world will not be able to keep the works and the words of Christ together. But I'm sure Jesus explained to him that he's forgiven and salvation. Jesus gets on a boat the same day. They came over, faced a storm. They went back one day for one man and to kill 2,000 pigs and make the people of the country very mad. And this man now goes back home. And for many years, he was not sure, is it, is it, is it me that's speaking or is it the enemy? One thing this man knows the hour after, the day after, and the years after, is that day when I sit ne sat next to that man. 2,000 pigs ran into the ocean and drowned. What was in me surely got out of me. And it's away. And as he looked back, he would be able to say something big happened. I am free. And Christ is very concerned that this man knows that he just did not come just to touch him on the back, but a big spiritual move happened. 
and it was humongous. Can you see that? Let's hold on to those handles for a start because that we can say for sure. And that's enough, I believe. Amen? Let's go on. I'm going to give you five things, the work of Jesus and my deliverance, and I'm going to pick up speed. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately a man met him. He lived among the tombs, and no one could bind him. Terrible life. This is a man, when you go to bury something, someone, and you see him there, you look away. You tell your kids, don't look, don't look. It's the animal man. It's the crazy one. He, he cuts himself. Don't look. I think he was so ashamed of himself, he probably was hiding away. They had a lot of, in that area, Roman army patrols, legions would come there and probably check the area, and he would hide away from them. Interesting that he says legion. Okay, so, so, but now Jesus comes and he falls in front of him. He comes out to meet him. And I'm, I'm just saying to each one of us, let's have our faith up. Let's up our faith in this place. Because, number one, before Jesus, notorious sinners becomes like clay. Those who run away, those whose hearts are hardened. I spoke to one of my buddies in church. He says before he knew Jesus, he made a point out of it to mock other Christians. And then Jesus came and he became clay. And so let's open our hearts for what lies ahead, not only because we've got this morning service coming, but at, at at least it's alerting us, faith up, faith up. That person you are working with, that family member, that person that is walking strongly against God. When Jesus shows up, clay, and they will meet him. Isn't that good news? Don't let go of that person you are praying for. Maybe you're that person. Maybe you're like, oh, I'm like that man in the tombs. How, how can God have a way with me? Listen, he wants you and you become clay. And I'll show you after this why you can come. Faith up, everyone. Faith up. He can bring anyone to salvation. Are we in agreement? Yes. Let's go on. Okay, so this man runs around. It says... He doesn't have clothes on. He's cut. He's in bad shape. Okay? It's the kind of guy, if you, if you walk out of the restaurant and you're on your way to your car and this guy stands around the corner, you jet. Okay? You lost your throw net out. He'll come on for himself. I'm just joking. Ik weet dat hij nu kan fight, so ik zal van hij nu trip en dan zal ik hard It's a shape of humiliation when people want to run away from you. Ask anyone here that has been bullied in school. There's nothing quite like it. When people call you a name, they turn their back and they run. And I've done that to other people. That was one of the stuff God had to deal with me very deeply. You know, 
I want to take us to Jesus. We're going to talk about why can Jesus deliver us? What gives Jesus the right? Look at these verses, Mark 15, 24. And they crucified him and divided his garments, his clothes, casting lots for them. That's Mark, Matthew. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments. One of the few things that's noted in all the Gospels. Luke, and Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, and they cast lots to divide his garments. You say, like, maybe it was only his shirt. Look at John. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and they divided them into four parts, one part for each shoulder. His tunic, but his tunic was seamless, woven into one piece from top to bottom. Why can he deliver us? When we think of things, if someone knows this about me, Surely they will reject me. Surely they will turn my back, their back on me, and I will be exiled alone. Which, by the way, if you don't struggle with that, let me tell you, it's one of the greatest weapons the enemy use. Shame on an individual to exile them. At least some people in here, even though you're around people in your spirit, you feel exiled because you're ashamed. Like this man. And it's like we feel naked. Number two, the nakedness of Jesus on the cross covers my shame. He became the thing we fear. What if they suss me up? What if they know what I did? Now you can say, because he became public shame. They looked at him and they said, look at him. Calls himself a king and they turned their backs and they murdered him. So that you never have to feel that again in your spirit. Never ever do you have to sit with shame. Listen to what I'm saying. As you are following him, shame will not help you conquer sin. It paralyzes you, makes you weak. I'm not saying do sin and be proud of it. What I am saying is shame is not helpful in conquering sins. Because he led captivity captive and he despised shame. And so the man could come down from the mountains. Because within two and a half years or three years, Christ would pay for him. God works with the timelines. Incredible. So you don't have to be ashamed. But at one stage, at one stage, not if this is your first night here, you may, I'm not saying this, you should, and God will lead you, at one stage, at least to show one person that loves Jesus what you are most ashamed about. Take time to build that trust. It's okay. But at one stage, you have to show it so that healing can come in. When we bring it into the light, the enemy is exposed. He's hiding somewhere in the dark room. Put the light on. Oh, wait. Okay. Make sense? He did it. Okay, he did it. His work in my deliverance 
Check this out. If the whole congregation of Israel sins unintentionally and the thing is hidden from the eyes of assembly and they do any of the things that by the Lord's commandments ought not to be done and they realize their guilt, they go on, they come to the conclusion, then the priest, that's what they're talking about, he shall carry the bull outside of the camp and burn it up as he burned the first bull. It is the sin offering for the assembly. Now, the idea was some of the sins they could pay for in the town, in the community. One man comes and I accidentally took my horse and I ran over my wife. She's not dead, but I broke both her legs and one arm. And no one knows whether it was intentional or not, but it's one man's sin. It's not the sin of the community. And they say, okay, bring a turtle dove and something and they kill it. There's different rules for different sins. It's hectic, okay? Thanks God, there's a perfect lamb slain. But if the community committed a sin, let's say they all forsook God, they could not pay for the sin in the community. They had to take the sin offering out of the community as a sign that we're removing the sin, okay? It's a Zabilsprach, ne? So where's this man living? Living in the tombs. Ons sal hom net nie sien nie. Ons sal net nie konfronted word met hierdie gemorsie. Just put him there. Among the tombs, among the dead. Let's take him outside of a town where we do not have to deal with him. A lot of people feel that. And he comes and he falls before Christ. And something in his spirit draws him to Christ. And I don't want to build on scripture, my own stuff, but something brought him to Christ. Let me tell you something that Jesus has in common with this man. Go to the next slide. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate. The priest in the Old Testament carried the bull or part of a bull. He carried it out. Christ carried his cross out of a community to a place of shame. And so when this man falls before him, Jesus knows. He knows what's in front of him. He can relate with that man more than he can relate with a businessman in that town that owns the pigs and walks like this because Christ would also be pushed out. So this man's heart connects. He just knows, I know you. Isn't that incredible? Number three, listen up, especially if you at times feel that you don't belong. It's the devil. Please don't submit to that. Jesus was cut from, off from community so that I may have community. I'm telling you straight, if you feel you're not, you don't belong with people, if you feel no one likes you, if you, I'm not saying there was not a time when someone spoke ugly words over you or bullied you. I acknowledge that. But let me tell you what, you are loved amongst God's people. Work through it. Why is it important for you not to stay outside spiritually in the tomb? Because 
for you to be brought back. He paid for it. <laughs> Amen. He, he paid for you to be a part, not to be a part. So, listen to what I'm saying. If you pick up offense quickly, know that that's the weapon the enemy uses against you. If you get angered quickly, okay? I know those other people, they get the anadinge order and now come die dingie aan and you know, you told her to clean that part, not this part. Listen, be aware if the enemy comes for you. He wants to take you out, put you among the tombs where spiritually he can hurt you and lead you to cut yourself. Spiritually, but also naturally. Everyone with me, don't let him have his way with you. Come near. We come near to Jesus and then we have one another. Okay? That's how it fits. But he was spears for our transgressions. He was crushed. How many times have this come up this year? It's been on the screens every week. It's the gospel. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was a chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. In the nights, this man would cry and cut himself. Or in, <coughs> in other words, <coughs> he would pierce himself. That's what the enemy does. He leads you to hurt yourself. Sometimes it's only thoughts. Okay? Don't exclude yourself because you're not cutting yourself. Okay? When you constantly sit on thoughts where you undermine God's work in your life, for example, if you constantly believe God cannot use you, God cannot use you, spiritually what you are doing is you're going against God's word. You are hurting yourself when you believe lies and give power to the enemy. This man physically cut himself. He pierced himself at night. We do that, if not physically, with our mouths. I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can get through. I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't think. And so we pierce ourselves. But the thing is, the wounds of Jesus heals or covers my wounds, number four. We can go to that next slide. Okay. And I want to include into this your wounds because of sin that you committed. Sins where in a moment you were innocent because it was committed against you. All right? Because those are the hardest to work through forgiveness. And then also just discontentment where you're just not happy about where you're at externally or internally. Christ died for those moments. He paid for it. Fight for your place in Christ. Don't give it away. He paid for it, okay?
Last one for tonight. The man comes to Jesus. He says, listen, can I go with you? And scripture says, he did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And he went away and began to proclaim how much Jesus had done for him. Last one, let us go to our friends. Let us go to our friends. Let us go to our people. See what Jesus says here. This is very important. I don't want to go too deep into this, but it, it has become a culture in certain places where, where if someone meets Jesus or a religion or a, a group that meets somewhere and they just have, have something wrong, where suddenly that person is taken away from their spouse. They are now the observer of these or that days. They are now in a different place. There is movements out there, and that's how we measure if it's God or not, where as soon as the group has converted the person, they are now extracted from their homes. Either because of spiritual pride, you're not better, and they cause people to turn away from families. There's a place where we will serve God and our parents might disagree. Okay, There's that place. You should follow God. But what Christ is saying, there's a rule of thumb. There's a, he's, the spirit of that scripture is plug in to your people. Don't plug out. I'm not removing you. You are now birthed in heaven, but I send you to your mom, your dad. I send you to your siblings. I send you to your friends. Be with them. Be kind to them. Jesus is saying the husband that becomes saved becomes a better husband because he goes back. The father that meets God, he becomes a better father because he goes back. Is that okay? So Jesus is our deliverer. Doesn't matter the angle, he paid for it. Um, outside when we were praying, um, the Holy Spirit just laid on my heart, we must remember not to clean church up too much. It must be a little bit messy because the thing is our Savior died and it was a bloody place. It was ugly. And we must not plug out of the side of our faith that requires us to rise up a bit and be strong and to conquer. And emotionally, it feels a little bit like a... So because of Remember, remember, remember. It's our job to keep this place clean, make it pretty. Okay? We won't have a bull on the stage here bleeding or something. Don't worry. But let's remember our Savior died and rose. And it's extremely powerful to connect with those realities and know it carries over in your life. It's real that he's strong through you. It's real that he will help you overcome. It's real at times you're going to feel like you, someone stuck something in you. It's real. That pain. 
Sometimes you feel like you're cutting yourselves on the mountains. Sometimes you feel alone. It's real, those feelings. But our Savior really conquered all those areas. And that's good news today. Amen? Let's stand up in this place. Let's respond. Um, if, you, if you are visiting us, um, I don't want you to feel uh, overwhelmed or something, but after every sermon, we try and create an opportunity for people to respond, to, to put faith in the heart and the mind into action. And so it takes different forms. So uh, we just want to invite the Holy Spirit just to, to lead us as, as He pleases and just respond to this word and take it through. Amen. Let's just lift our voices to Him where we are standing. We love you, Lord. Let's raise our voices. We love you, Lord, in this place. We love you, our deliverer. We cry to you, Lord. Where will our hope come from? Jesus. Who can make our hearts as clay and send us back to our homes to be who we need to be? Jesus. Who covers our extreme nakedness, our shame, those dark rooms? It's Him. Who brings us back when we feel cut off, maybe after that breakup, or maybe after that conversation with a good friend, you just feel kicked out. He brings you back in. Who heals those scars of what happened in those early years against you or maybe through you the enemy takes his chances who will come and restore that you can go on it's him but it's so that you can go out back to your people let's just respond in faith if, if, if any of these if any of these spoke to you Tonight, I'm going to count to, count to three. Now, I want you to walk out and just as a, as a sign of going out to him, out of the town where he was crucified and just relating with him and say, Lord, I, I know how you feel, but you know it better because I mean, you know me better than I know you, but there's something we have in common. You experienced everything. Thank you just laying down this area and take hope out of his place tonight amen so if that's you one two three let's respond with faith guys let's keep faith just a prayer your own words your own words okay he speak the words but if they're wrong it's okay okay because he knows the heart just let's just practice faith in this place We worship you in this place, Lord. We come to you for our healing.